Welcome to the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast, where we unite with Christ to combat the shame surrounding young women struggling with pornography and share our stories and insights to gather more tools and weapons to fortify our stance on the front lines in the war against pornography. Welcome to this next episode of the Sisters on the Front Lines podcast. Um, as I always say, for some reason, I am super excited for the guests that I have on today, but it's true. I'm super excited for the guests I have on today. Um, her name is Emily Christensen. She specializes in helping parents have the hard conversations. Um, but Emily, I want you to give kind of your professional background and introduction and why you're into all this awesome stuff. Yes. Well, thank you, Maddie, for having me. I'm really happy to be here and happy to talk with you today, especially about this topic. So um, about over 20 years ago, pornography hit my family hard. And it's something that I was aware of and knew about, but I wasn't as aware until I became directly affected by it. And so it was that experience of being impacted by pornography, seeing someone I love being impacted by pornography that really opened my eyes and helped me become aware of the impact pornography pornography can have on individuals and on families. So I have been learning about this, managing relations, relationships, dealing with the impacts for over 20 years. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, got married, was raising a family and working professionally in commercial real estate. And um, at the same time, having kids and knowing what pornography could do, I became a student of learning everything I could as a parent of, of what I needed to do to prevent pornography use in my children. Mm-hmm. And at first, this all started out of fear. I was just afraid <laughs> because yep. I knew what was coming. And I knew we lived in an age where they would have infinite access to whatever they wanted. And I just thought, what do I do? What do I say? How do I do this? How do I parent? And so I had all these questions. And so I would just study and read anything I could get my hands on. And little by little, I would get asked to present and to talk and to teach on this topic. And then I was helping different people just with their own struggles and issues and decided to become, get certified as a coach and start working as a coach specifically helping individuals and families that have been touched by this issue, but also even more important, teaching parents the things that I've learned Mm -hmm. and what I know now on what we can do as parents, because I am not afraid anymore. My journey began being so afraid, but I am not afraid. In fact, I am so optimistic and hopeful because I know what to do and how to do it and how to face this issue um, with hope and not fear. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love faith over fear because I don't think that God really intends for us to, God is not a God of fear, right? And yeah, yeah, I just love it. Even with this issue, right? Like we think that there are some exceptions to this rule, but there really aren't. And he wants us to face all things with faith and hope and not fear in even the biggest, scariest things, which for me, for a big portion of my life was pornography. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And I think, I think there's a lot of people still in that same boat, 
And so I'm excited that you're a voice that's speaking up um, about that. So, oh, that's just wonderful. Okay, well, I want to dive into all of your your wisdom and your knowledge. Um, I actually want to ask first, like, how did you change from the fear approach? Like, what changed? Was it just gaining more knowledge or or what? I think to overcome the fear, I had to understand what the problem was and how to solve the problem. And I think once I understood that there was a solution and there was an approach and also just strengthen my faith in Christ and strengthen my faith and hope in his plan and his plan for each of us and understanding that we are more powerful than pornography. And I think when you're in the throes of a, of a loved one struggling, which was my situation is being very close to a loved one struggling. I was writing all the ups and downs with them. And if they were hopeless, I felt hopeless. And I had to learn to separate myself from that and gain my own personal faith and hope foundation So I wasn't riding the waves up and down with them. But I also think, just like you said, that faith and that hope comes from knowledge. It comes as we gain that information and we start putting into practice and we start seeing the fruits of what we're practicing Mm -hmm. and start recognizing this works and, and there are solutions to this problem. And God doesn't want us to fear because he's given us all these tools and resources that can help us. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Little by little precept upon precept line upon line (laughs) it's true it does come little by little which sometimes is frustrating right because we just want all the answers all at once but I think a lot a lot of times we don't acknowledge what the other side of that is like like I'm like man I want to know what the next like 10 years of my life are gonna look like but then I'm like wait if I knew what the 10 next 10 years of my life would look like, that would be so boring. Like <laughs> there's a reason he makes oh, us yeah. like, <laughs> like God likes us to put an effort and work for it. So I just love that. Um, and so having put in all of this effort and time and, and energy to understanding it, um, let's dive into like, I guess like the real questions, like how, first question, how do parents start conversations about like sex and pornography with kids and like when to start, to start. Okay. So I want to back up just a little bit first because totally, it's so important. Communication is such a big part of this. And as I've become a parent, I've learned how important it is to be able to communicate as a parent and especially to be able to communicate with my kids. But there's different types of communication. There's communication where I'm just talking at my kids and I'm telling them that things and I'm teaching them things. Mm-hmm. But if I want this communication to stick, what I really want is I want them to be asking me the questions mm. and they're really looking for the answers. So how do we get our kids to ask us questions about these things? There's really, so there's two things we need to be focusing on. On One, we need to learn to talk about any topic. (laughs) And this is a totally different world. I'm in my forties. I grew up in a much different world where the internet was just emerging. I didn't have a cell phone to after college. It it was just so different. So I've now got to talk to my kids about topics and experiences and things that I never dealt with as a child. So I'm figuring this out for the first time. So I have to be really willing to be uncomfortable. I also grew up in a home where we really didn't talk about sex or sexuality. Mm-hmm. And and it wasn't because my parents didn't care. And it wasn't because they didn't think it was important. It was because 
they didn't know how to do it. It was because they weren't really talked to about it. And it was because it wasn't pushed as much as it's pushed today. Mm -hmm. And so I had to learn how to do something that I didn't really know how to do or was modeled for me. Mm -hmm. And so we have to learn how to talk about these uncomfortable things. But the next thing we have to do is to create an environment in our homes where our kids will talk to us about anything. Hmm. And that is just as important because if we create that, then what happens is our kids are growing and developing. They start asking us questions and they start valuing our input. And what we do say matters because they care, because we have this type of relationship and influence with our kids that they really want our guidance. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk to them, they listen because we can have a PhD and know all the right words to say and teach it just the way the book says. But if our kids don't care and we don't have that kind of relationship where they'll, where, where they'll listen or they'll value our input, it doesn't matter what comes out of our mouth. So I think it's really, this is a, a two-part strategy, getting really good at bringing up any topic, talking about anything that's uncomfortable being willing to open those subjects and talk about things, even things we don't know what to say about. (laughs) And again, being that type of parent that creates that safe and warm and nurturing and structured environment that where kids really thrive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As like, I love all of that and amen, but as I'm listening to all of that, I think there are some parents that are thinking and listening to this and they're like, well, what if I haven't been doing that? And it kind of goes back to like the fear thing. And I think a lot of parents are like held back by that. They're, they're kind of hearing everything that you say and they're like, okay, well, I got to get that all done by tomorrow. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So what advice do you have for maybe any parents feeling that way? Okay. That's so great. First of all, you got all the time you need. Okay. There's all this talk about, I only have 18 summers. I only have 18 years. No, you don't. I believe in eternal families and I believe in eternal relationships. And I believe in an eternity to build what we want to build with family members. And when I look at it from that perspective, I stop stressing out. I stop panicking. I stop start trying to control and I start to relax and my kids become more relaxed around me. Okay. And I realize we've got all the time we need to figure this out. Okay. But I am going to be honest with myself. I'm going to be two things. I'm going to be really honest about my parenting style, about my communication style. I'm going to really evaluate and even ask my kids, like, how am I doing? What can I do better? Are there things that you don't feel comfortable telling me? And it's okay. You don't have to tell me right now. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to recognize that there's probably a lot of areas I've got some blind spots that my kids are going to help me see. And being a, a parent is being a leader. And good leaders have the humility and confidence to ask the people they lead what they can do better. Okay? So that's a good place to start. And, and it's so much harder than it sounds <laughs> to have the humility to do that because, <laughs> because then what's going to happen next is we're going to beat ourselves up and say, oh, but I've been doing this all wrong. What's wrong with me? I've ruined my kids. And that's where we have to be really compassionate with ourselves and recognize that we've done the best we can with what we have and that we can always start again and try again and make things better. And we don't need to worry about it. Because God will fill in the holes where we <laughs> haven't done things. And if we give our effort and we show him our humility humility, and we show our kids that humility, it's amazing how quickly relationships can repair. 
Okay. And then let's talk about the communication portion of this. If we haven't been talking to our kids um, about their bodies, about sex, about sexuality, if we haven't even bring, been bringing up these topics in our home, or like me as a young parent, I would like start sweating profusely and my mouth would dry up and I'd and I would just start saying things and my kids would sit there and look at me and it was just so weird and awkward and uncomfortable. I just had to be okay with that. And I had to be okay with a lot of weird and awkward conversations at first, recognizing that I am practicing getting good at something I don't know how to do, mm-hmm. but I don't know how to do it yet. And like anything in life, it takes practice. And I can tell my kids, I have just learned something really important that we should be talking about and we haven't been doing it and I want to do better. So let's start today. Are you ready? Let's go. Right. It can just be so simple and say, this is going to be kind of weird and awkward and I'm going to fumble through this and I'm not going to do everything perfectly, but I appreciate your patience with me as I try. And I would welcome any of your feedback because what you think about this and these topics is really important to me. So those are, those are just some scripts and some things that you could say, but again, just recognizing we've, you've got time and it's okay. And we can change and our kids can change and relationships can change and our topics of conversation can change. And we've got all the time we need. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. I just love it. Like it is such a message of hope. I love the question. Like, I have never heard this before. I love the question of, are there things that you don't feel comfortable comfortable telling me? I think that's just so beautiful because it's, an, it's like, yes or no, and you don't have to have to ask any further, but it just provides them an opportunity to answer that. So I think that is so golden. Um, and I also thought it was interesting you used the phrase, you have to have humility and confidence. And I was like, I was like, do those things go together? And then I thought about it for two more seconds. And I was like, those things do go together. <laughs> like they kind of do like one, one goes right, right after another. Um, okay. So another question. So for me personally, I mean, I have amazing parents, like amazing parents. And I knew like for a fact, if I would have come to them when I was struggling with pornography at 13 or at 14 or at 15, whatever age, they would have received it super well. And they would have received it just with love and it would have been just fine. But I actually didn't tell them until less than a year ago. And so then my question is to you, do does the amount of like, what is it? How often and how much that the kids are talking to their parents about pornography and about sex and whatnot, does that have a direct reflection on parents? Okay, so let me understand the question. So does it, are you saying that that parents need to make sure that they're bringing up these topics on a regular basis and and providing opportunities for their kids to do this? Yeah, or are parents like solely responsible for that? Because like, here's the thing is with all of that knowledge that I had, that I knew that my parents loved me, it just wasn't the right timing, right? And so I guess I'm kind of asking that as like a rhetorical question, but I want to hear your perspective of it as like a a coach that works with parents and maybe they're super frustrated because their kids aren't, aren't talking to them. No. And I think it's a great question. I think there, we've got to always remember that there's two parties involved that both have agency. Hmm. Okay. 
And I, as a parent, I like to look at what I have control over, but remember there's a lot more than I think Mm -hmm. (laughs) and, and always create. So my job as a parent is to create that safe foundation to ask the questions, but create the safe place to fall. Mm. Okay. So I'm, I'm opening the door constantly and creating opportunities where that door is open and I'm practicing with other topics. Okay. When there's issues with friends, when, and things that they may, might feel really shameful about talking about their body, talking about, um, um, a particular struggle in school, something, their insecurities that they have really learning how to manage those different conversations with them. So they learn how to open up into something that feels really vulnerable and really scary where they're, they know mom's going to love them no matter what, but they also know there's something at stake here (laughs) to have this conversation, right? Like it's a doozy and there's just a lot of emotions attached to it. So my job as a parent is to just create opportunities for those conversations and practice other ways and, and really build that, that relationship, build that foundation of a relationship where I even too have a real pulse on their behavior and what's happening in their life. And I can even get that sense of something is off Hmm. and something's off to the point where I need to come in and I need to make more of an effort just to be there and be in a place. So what that looks like in my household, when I can tell something is off, then I invite that child to do something one-on-one. Do you want to come to the store? I need to run this errand. I'd love for you to be with me. Or it's a little note on the pillow. It looks, it appears that you're having a hard day. I would love to talk about it. It's a, it's a text message. It's a, um, Hey, can I rub your back? The child that I know loves physical touch and would just like me to just sit there and rub their back. Um, it's just kind of having that perception when you recognize, and then they start to slowly open up and it starts to come out. And you start practicing that with other topics. And so they can really start to feel, okay, mom's safe. Mom can handle it. Mom can help me when I need help. Now, the child can always decide and they may or may not talk to us and we can't control that. Mm -hmm. But I think as a parent, creating as many opportunities to talk about those things, um, just even talk about other concerns or worries or struggles and do as much as I can is, is one of the best things that I can do. Oh, beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah. I think that was a perfect answer. Sorry. I asked that question in kind of a weird way, but I think you got it. <laughs> well, I, but I'm curious too, Maddie, from your experience. Yeah. And what do you think are there is if, do you think if your parents had done something different, would you told them, would you have told them earlier? Or do you just feel like that was the right time for you? Um, well, okay. I always have a hard time with these questions that are like, oh, like, what would you change if you could? Because I'm just such a, like, you know what, like that was, that was the right time. What I needed to learn. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that if there would have been more opportunities, um, yeah, for me to kind of like share my experiences, maybe I would have shared it a little bit earlier. And so I just think like, I love what, what you said is create the opportunities to share it. So I think that's beautiful. Um, okay. One of my most commonly asked questions from parents is like exactly this. 
how do you tell if your child is viewing or struggling with pornography? And so, like, add as much, I know this isn't, like, exactly your specialty, but but share as much yeah. as, as you can. You know, it's actually a question I get a lot as well. And I think mm-hmm. there are certainly signs, um, and you, you read the books about it, you read the research on it, and they'll talk about, you know, an increased interest in sexual things, a lack of... Um, more withdrawal, a lack of interest in spiritual things. I mean, there's a whole list of things, but you can look at that list and that list could also apply (laughs) to a myriad of struggling Mm -hmm. with anxiety, Mm -hmm. maybe feeling depressed, having issues with friends. There could be so many other things it's tied to. So Mm -hmm. again, I go back to this point of this is where the relationship becomes key. And, And I think as parents, we have to have a pulse on our kids at all times. My job on it as a parent is to just be able to look at them and I can tell if my child, um, if they start getting snappy with me or their siblings, if they um, are more withdrawn, if they are overly happy, like, oh, everything's good. There's no problems. <laughs> if they are, if I start noticing these change, like they change the way they eat. Um, if there's a difference in their sleeping pattern, they don't want to get up in the morning. If there's a withdrawal from family activities, if I even sense that I know something's wrong and that's my time when I need to zero in on that child. Mm-hmm. Okay. And this is what I've learned is that when people act, well, how we act on the outside is a reflection of how we feel on the inside mm-hmm. and pornography affects our soul. And when our soul is hurting, it will affect how we act on the outside. So something is up, something is up. And when you sense that, and that little radar goes on, this is when as a parent without fear, because so many times parents will start to get afraid and then they think, I don't even want to ask because I don't want to hear because I don't even know how to handle that. And we can't be afraid of anything. This is when fearless parenting comes into play, right? When we recognize I see this child being snappy. I realize something is wrong. And I, I have seen this with my kids over and over. The more I find out something happened at school and an interaction with a teacher or something happened with friends, they're struggling with a friend and someone sent them a text message that was hurtful, or they're really overwhelmed and scared about the outcome of a certain test, or, um, Mm -hmm. maybe something they've tried out for or ran for that they don't know what's going to happen. Um, Maybe there's an assignment that they (laughs) haven't done that they haven't told you about that they've been hiding from you, right? There's (laughs) always something there and that the more you ask, or they've said they were going to do something and they didn't, or they've lied to you about something and they were too afraid to tell you, or I mean, the list can go on of something that's up. And again, that's why this relationship where they know that there's this openness There is this softness. There is, they know that mom has created this environment where we talk openly about our mistakes because mom admits her mistakes all the time. (laughs) When I mess up, I say, hey, it's okay. We're going to talk about it. And it creates this open environment where I can go to them at that time. And then little by little, it comes out. And so that question is so good. and, And I think we focus a lot, just one more thing on this. We talk a lot about monitoring our kids' internet searches. And I I don't disagree with that, but I also think for some parents, they are spending so much time and energy 
trying to check this, but what they don't realize is that if any child wants it, they can get around it. They will get around it. And you can have a million things on your phone. Instead of monitoring every little thing they do on the internet, I want you to monitor their behavior. I wanted to want you to monitor the healthiness of your relationship. And I want you to, again, in that humble, confident way, be building that relationship and be so aware of what's going on in their life that you are there when you, when they need you. Amen. I love that you added that last point because I think, again, a lot of times we have to look at like the parents have to look at, okay, where is actually my behavior coming from? Like, is it coming from a place of fear or is it coming from a place of love? Because I think a lot of times those, like just the the band-aids right that you that you kind of try to put on those things like the the filters or the um, restrictions or stuff like that and I love that you said like I don't I don't like disagree with that like my parents um they they kept my phone in their room at night and I really appreciate that I like I thought that was amazing but there wasn't going to be any real change that happened until it was met with a relationship of love like that was the 99 percent. the me keeping my phone in their room was like the one percent and so yeah yeah, i just love that monitor what what was it stop monitoring their internet so instead of monitoring their internet activity monitor their behavior and monitor the healthiness of, of your relationship with them yeah because that's where yeah just like you said we we're spending so much time and energy on devices and filters and and let me go and check this and let me set up these rules and i'm not saying that's a bad thing we need that structure they need to know that there's like someone watching out for them that it's not just a free for all right <clears throat> but if that becomes a focus and often the control comes from fear yep when parents are afraid they try and control and when they try and control kids naturally resist because control equals resistance. And so when we can let go of that and we approach it with hope and with faith and with confidence, our kids can sense that. Mm-hmm. And they are far more willing to open up up to us than if we're afraid and uptight. And sometimes, most of the time, I think parents don't even realize how afraid and uptight they are until I talk to them. And then I'm like, okay, yes, we're afraid. We, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we right. need to deal with right. that first. Yeah, totally, totally. And like, oh, I just love it. I love all of your insights. Like, I just want to bottle it up and give it to every parent. <laughs> um, okay, I think we can jump into, unless you have something that you're like, I am dying to share this, which it might come out in the last two questions. Yeah, but that's fine. <laughs> okay, perfect. Um, okay, we will jump into the last two questions that we ask everybody. So first, I want to ask, what keeps you on the front lines in the war against pornography? Well, there's several things. First of all, I never wanted to be the girl who talked about pornography. And maybe you feel the same. But (laughs) (laughs) I thought, I know, I don't want to be the girl who talks about this. I, I, I didn't. I didn't. But I know what it can do. I know what it can do. And I've seen too much to be quiet. And I've seen, I'm sorry. You're totally fine. I see what it can do to a person. I see what it can do to their family. I know the ripples it can have. I know the soul. I know how it can destroy a soul. 
and I've watched it, but I've also watched <laughs> the power of people overcoming it. I've watched families heal from it. I've, I've seen, and just like in my own life, I've seen my fear turn to faith. And so now I want to talk about it because I, I know that with a few little adjustments, I think some increased awareness by parents and them knowing, oh, let me approach this this way. Let me work with this situation this way. A few little adjustments can make a huge impact in our kids' decisions to interact with pornography. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing is being the girl who's talking about pornography because I want to help other parents make these changes and not lose sleep over this at night, but have complete confidence and faith and hope that we can make a difference. And this doesn't have to rule our lives or the lives of our children. Amen. Amen. I just want like, I just want to echo everything that you just said. I don't, I don't, I'm, I don't have any words to add on to that. <laughs> I love that you preach a message of hope because it is a message of hope and it doesn't have to be filled with fear. And, and you're right. It, it does have a lot of power, but we don't have to let it have a lot of power over us. Um, okay. Final question. And oh, sometimes I love, sometimes I hate asking this question because then I just <laughs> have to force myself to not cry every single time. <laughs> Um, but what would you say to a young girl who is struggling with pornography right now? Don't worry. I'll just start crying before I talk about it. So (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't take much for me to cry. Um, I would, first of all, I'd hug her so hard and I just hug her for a long time. Cause she knew how much I cared about her and how much she was loved and how much she's known and how much she's seen. I would want her to know without a doubt that there is hope that she can change, that all of her dreams and everything she wants to do and be and become are completely possible. That pornography can be overcome that it doesn't need to rule her life and that she has the support and the love that she needs to get through it. Amen. Yep. I love that you would give her a big hug because I echo that too. (laughs) Big hugs for anyone who is struggling with it because yeah, things are achievable. And this is overcomable, and it's way more overcomable than you think it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Man, I feel like I have not even had that much commentary on this episode. I'm sorry, but, like, you've just said everything. Like, it's just so well said. So thank you. Well, I'm happy to be here. And just like you say, Maddie, I think hope is the key ingredient. Amen. And when we lose hope, we stop trying. And we, when we stop trying, we lose the fight. Yeah. And we all need hope with regards to this topic. Yeah. And I just want to hand out hope in large doses (laughs) and just give it out to everybody and say, no, we're not going to be afraid anymore. We're done. Mm -hmm. We're done being afraid. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, thank you so much. Seriously. Thank you so much for coming on. I, 
I want all of the parents, parents, if you are listening and this impacted you or affected you in some way, please share it with your parent friends because <laughs> I just love everything that Emily has talked about. I think she just puts it so clear and concise and so hopefully large doses of hope. You really are handing those out. <laughs> um, and thank you so much, everyone, for listening. If you have a story to share, please reach out to me on Instagram at Sisters on the Frontlines or via email at SistersOnTheFrontlines at gmail.com. Please remember that this is a message of hope and we are all going to be okay. And parents, please remember to allow yourself grace and control what you can control. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and give the podcast a rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify so that we can reach more young women, parents, and leaders. And until next episode, keep up the good fight on the front lines.